0: And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters (laughs) Day. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvellous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to
1: Heath Ledger in The Dark
0: Knight. And the Oscar goes to... Olivia Colman.
2: And welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm the child that Sophie didn't choose, Joey Gentile.
1: And I'm the orgasm that Terry Garr is in charge of, Brandon Stanwick.
2: And you're listening to the class of 1982. Man, I love that, like... We're, we're, it's kind of funny because we've already recorded as, you know, we're very vocal on that. We don't record these in order. Right. So we've recorded in 1980, 81, 83, 88. And I think yes. 81, I had this weird like opening too. Uh-huh. And now like, we're just adding things. So it's going to be funny when we actually like listen to this in order because some of them are still going to be like the original, like, you know, this is Brandon Stanwick, this is Brandon Stanwyck. And then we have these other ones where like, oh Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. pulling a Trixie and Katya type opening, which right. I'm here for. It's a lot sure. of fun. How you been? I've been great. Good. Good. It's been a while. Yeah. So we had a little, like a mini spring break sabbatical there for a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: between '81 and '82.
2: Yeah, yeah. For only being literally a year apart, it felt like we literally took a year off.
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff's been going on, so we took a took a minute.
2: Yes. And now we're back. What do you What have you been up to?
1: Um, I've actually been catching up on some old horror movies that I've never gotten around to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been watching horror movies basically my whole life since my uncle got me hooked on them with Scream when I was like six. Yeah. And um, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and they had Slumber Party Massacre, which i have never
2: seen. Which is amazing.
1: Yeah, I had a really good time watching it. It's really fun. Um, it's kind of crazy because I read that it had been written as like a parody for this sort of newfound slasher genre. Yeah. Because it was still the early 80s and that was still becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the producers kind of took it at face value Mm -hmm. and they wanted like an actual slasher movie. And so it kind of has this weird disjointed nature to it. There's There's like a dissonance between the script and what you're actually seeing on screen. And I was kind of enjoying that.
2: And it's funny too, because the sequels, like I have Summer Party Massacre and VHS. Like it's, it's, I have this great VHS collection of a lot of films that are like, either it never came over to DVD or just like perfect condition to where I'm like, I don't want to lose these things. We could actually be worth a lot of money one day. Um, and Summer Party Massacre is one of them. And the funniest thing about them is that the sequels get worse and worse as they go. That makes number sense. two is campy and fun, but like number two is ridiculous because the killer Rust Thorn in the first one uses like this guitar drill because it's like this rock horror comedy and it's it's really really awful three has nothing to do at all with the first two just the name um and then it's weird because like in the early 2000s there was this kind of not like a spin-off but i mean it's not a direct sequel either but it is kind of like a sequel in the vein that it's in the same universe um, and I think it's called Cheerleader Camp Massacre. But the character of Linda in the first one, who was the first student to get killed at the school, her character, it turns out, after all these years later, like everyone just flocked to see Cheerleader Massacre, um, turns out that she survived. And oh, okay. it tells the story about how she was attacked in school and her scream is what made the killer run. Um, um, it's just ridiculous. It's a okay. lot of campy fun. If there was any time for the Met Gala to camp, it would have been these films.
1: Yeah, right. I'm surprised no one showed up to the Met Gala as Mrs. Voorhees.
2: Oh my god. Or actually dressed as a tent.
1: Yeah, I saw people when it was, I think it was when it was first announced that camp was the, yeah. the theme. People were joking that Rihanna was going to show up in an actual
2: tent. That would have been amazing. And to be honest with you, though, I was kind of disappointed with this Mutt Gala theme this year. Because um, that just happened this past weekend. That's where we're at in date-wise with recording this episode. Um, because last year was so great with church like, the Catholic Church was the theme, and there were some fierce fucking outfits for that one. Yeah. This one was just like, I was bored real quick with it, because a lot of these celebrities are like, don't even know what camp is. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a gay event. If you're straight and coming to this, you probably shouldn't go. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm just saying.
1: Or get someone to style you.
2: Right, right. But, um, yeah, it feels good to be back in the studio with you, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And this week's episode is the class of 1982, which is a great year. This is a pretty stellar year yeah and this bo- is
1: both lineups i would say yeah
2: i mean honestly i'm gonna say this right now i'm not speaking for you i'm speaking for me especially an actress there is not one bad performance
1: no i have no i have no problem with any of the performances
2: yeah there's one that i have an issue with out of all 10 of them but i mean it's in supporting but outside of that there's not like Actress, for an example, because we're doing the uh, we're in an even year, so that's my category yep. that to announce. There is literally I don't have a singular complaint about any one of the five.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a, a year where we're praising, for the most part.
2: Yeah, and this was also 1982. Though was like a, everyone knew who was going to win year because of Gandhi with um, Ben Kingsley and then Meryl Streep. Like they were just kind of locked throughout the entire season. So. Um, there weren't really any surprises for the Oscars this Hmm. year. I don't think in any category. Maybe actually supporting. Supporting was the biggest uh, supporting actor because it was Louis Goss Jr. for An Officer Gentleman who was the first black actor to win in that category Mm -hmm. and the first black actor in general to win since Sidney Poitier um, about maybe 15 years earlier. It's
1: like 66-ish. 64, 66.
2: But even like, I know we're not talking about supporting actors in this, but um, the supporting actor lineup there is really impressive. Mm. Like, John Lithgow is really good in World According to Gar, Robert Preston in Victor Victoria. Um, I actually just revisited An Officer and a Gentleman, which I'll, you know, can't wait to talk about, because that's one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Um, like, they're all good. Charles Durning, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I'm missing the one, the one guy from The Verdict. Oh, um. James Preston. Yeah. No, wait. James it'll, Preston was Victor. Yeah. Either way, do you have anything you want to add before we get started? No,
1: I think I'm good.
0: All right, Brandon, take it away.
1: Okay, so your Best Supporting Actress nominees from 1982 were...
0: Glenn Close in The World According to God.
2: Terry Garr in Tootsie.
0: (laughs) Jessica Lange in Tootsie. Kim Stanley in Francis. Leslie Ann Warren in Victor Victoria.
1: Okay, so let's start with Jessica Lang, the winner of the year, uh, winning for Tootsie. This is her first, depending on how you want to, how you want to look at it, nomination of six because she's double nominated this year, and it is her first win. Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for Supporting, the Boston Film Critics for Lead, the New York Film Critics for Supporting, the Kansas City Film Critics for Lead, and the National Society of Film Critics for Supporting. And she was, she'd be nominated at the BAFTA the next year in the Lead category. So she kind of rode the line between Lead and Supporting when it came to these uh, nominations. In Tootsie, Jessica Lange plays Julie Nichols, an actress on Southwest General, a soap soap opera slash daytime drama depending on who you're talking to that Michael, played by Dustin Hoffman, lands a part on as Dorothy, his drag alter ego. Julie is in a relationship with the show's director who treats her and women in general pretty poorly and Michael falls for her but it becomes complicated because Michael is in drag and uh, Julie kind of sees Dorothy as more of a friend than a romantic interest. So, thoughts on Jessica Lang and Tootsie?
2: Remember when I said there was one performance in this lineup that I had the issue with? Yeah. It's Jessica Lang's.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling.
2: Um, number one, she's lead. She is the lead female in this movie, so it's category fraud, which anyone who's listened to us by now knows exactly where I'm placing her in the lineup. But it is also my job to talk about this performance. <laughs> so um, I think it's okay. I mean, there's nothing to write home about it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it, She's the least funniest character in this movie. I think she's kind of the character there to ground it, to to, to to put it more in reality. Um, but if even if I take away the idea, well, the, the reality of her being the lead in the supporting um, category here, she's just not doing it for me. I right. I love Jessica Lange. Right. Jessica Lang is my goddess, but like, she's not really good here. Um, she's very one note in her line delivery. Um, even like her break, I don't want to say breakdown, but her like realization that, um, that, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character when he's in drag is a lesbian, uh, Dorothy, I sure. almost lost the name of Dorothy Michaels. Um, she's, I don't know. She's just not selling it to me that she actually cares about anybody. Eh, I'm not a fan of this one. I, I don't like it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think she's lead as well, and um, it seems half of the precursors agreed with that. Um, I think what you said is correct. I think she is pretty much there to ground it. She's not um, she's not the funniest character by far. Um, I think she's pretty much there to be the love interest, yeah. and um, I have no real complaints with it. I think she's doing what the character is designed to do. Um, she's doing her job, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, it's a fine nomination I guess but yeah it's nothing to write home about it's uh
2: see I wouldn't even call it a fine nomination to be honest with you like it, this we all know that this was the consolation prize for for being up against Meryl Streep and having no chance to win it for Francis probably which I mean we'll talk about here shortly when we get to the leads but like there are so many other people I feel like you could have put in this category hey, I
1: didn't look at the other 1982 movies so I can't I don't have anyone in well, mind even like
2: even like let's say an officer and a gentleman for an example mm-hmm. Deborah Winger's friend Okay, sure. Could have been put in this. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just one. Yeah. Sorry, Lang. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Anything else on Jessica Lang? Okay. No,
2: I said my piece in that one.
1: Okay, well, let's uh, transition into the other Tootsie nominee, and that's Terry Garr, and this is her first and only nomination. She doesn't win any precursors going in, but she is nominated at the National Society of Film Critics, and she will be recognized the next year at the BAFTAs. Mm Mm-hmm in tootsie terry gar plays sandy a friend and student of dustin hoffman's michael dorsey character she wants to be an actress but she doesn't quite have the gusto for it and eventually she and michael become sort of involved but he treats her pretty poorly because he's honestly more interested in jessica lang so thoughts on terry gar
2: i love this role if i could ever be a woman who becomes an actress and I would want so badly to play this role if they ever remade it or even they, there's a musical of it now. Like Sandy right. is such a fun, speaking of campy, campy role. Um, and she's a Lakewood native. So oh, I didn't yeah, know Terry Gar is from Lakewood, Ohio, which is like a little um, suburb of Cleveland. Um, but yeah, she's perfect in this. Um, I'm really surprised that she had got so little recognition going into the Oscars because like Penelope Mil- Milford, like Um, Leslie Brown uh, when we mentioned when you want a supporting actress to do exactly that support in that role she does that perfectly Mm -hmm. Um, her rant and I posted it on our Twitter the other day like this would have been Terry Gar's Oscar clip and it actually got a lot of traction there and I was like yep see other people agree Um, when she goes off about um, you know uh, being in control of my own orgasm and being in control of this. And I, w- or I read The Second Sex. Like, she's just so good. Um, and she is exactly what we know actors to be when they're unemployed and can't get a yeah. job. Like, we knew Valentina Cortese in 74 when she, you know, we've all met actors who can't remember their lines. Now we all know these actors, too. She's really good. I've got no complaints about this one.
1: Yeah, I think Terry Gar is wonderful in Tootsie. Um, yeah. I think she's hilarious. I love her chemistry with Dustin Hoffman, even though he's treating her like crap for the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think they're great. Um, when he takes her to her audition in the beginning. I think she's auditioning for the for the TV role, not maybe the role but the show yeah. that he will eventually get on. and he's trying to like get her in a certain state of mind and he's just like cursing at her and putting her down on purpose because that's what she needs to get into that moment. Yeah. And it's just a really funny scene.
2: Yeah, and the best part about like this character could have been a throwaway character. Oh yeah. And Terry like gave it such fine life. And like there's even like little one-note zingers like when they she leaves the party and she's like it's just cheaper to get mugged like <laughs> instead of taking a I cab love that line. or like um what's the part of and she goes I'm not right for it. He goes well what's the part? Oh like, she's so funny. Um, and it, it's unfortunate that this was her only nomination because, you know, I did say, too, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind should yeah. have been a nomination for her. And she could have gotten one for Young Frankenstein in sure. 74. And, like, but she... We, but when you're up against Cloris Leachman and Madeline, Madeline Cotton, Cotton in your own movie. Yeah. You know, it's so... It's just sad. And it's so sad now, too, because, you know, she doesn't act anymore. She's got the multiple multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And she's wheelchair-bound. And, you know, she was just, um... She was, she was a product of her time, and it's it's I, I, I wish that she was healthy enough to act again, but I understand, too, why she's not doing it. Yeah, she's brilliant in this role. Yeah.
1: I also think I read somewhere that she had uh, some problems with Jessica Lange competing against her in the same category. Like she, Apparently, she was pretty outspoken about it back then. Really? Yeah, I don't remember where I heard... Actually, it might have been on that episode of And the Runner Up is. I think Kevin and his guest might have mentioned it, that apparently uh, she was in some interviews around Oscar time, and... Apparently, she made some comments that she didn't think Jessica Lange should be in the same category as her and definitely should not have won.
2: Yeah. So. Well, you know, Terry Gar also mentioned that Gene uh, Wilder was a jerk in recent mm-hmm. interviews. So, that woman, I give her props for being so outspoken. I think it needs to happen more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love her in this. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. All um. oh, Terry Gar.
1: So next we had Kim Stanley in Francis. This is her second of two nominations, having previously been nominated for a *Seance on a Wet Afternoon*. She didn't get any um, wins going into Oscar night, but she had been nominated for the Golden Globe. In *Francis*, Kim Stanley plays Lillian Farmer, the mo- the mother of Jessica Lange's Francis Farmer. Lillian comes back into uh, her daughter's life when Francis begins to have um, some mental health issues and some substance abuse issues. And Lillian is determined to completely take control of Francis' life and her uh, financial world, basically. She's kind of in it for the money. So, thoughts on Kim Stanley?
2: Um, I really like her in this. I really like her a lot in this. Um, There... Is a lot of comedy in this category this year. Mm-hmm. So, like, hers is the That's big true. dramatic role, which you don't see very often. Um, yeah, usually, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I would say, f- I mean, not that I really consider Jessica Langs to be comedy, but she's in. But she's in a she's comedy. in a comedy. But if you really think about it, there's four comedy nominations and one drama. And really quick, the funniest part about this is that. Jessica Lange shot Francis first. And Kim mm-hmm. Stanley was the one who said, go do a comedy next.
1: Oh, interesting. Which
2: was Tootsie. So mm. Kim Stanley essentially set Jessica Lange up to beat her at the Oscars. Wow. Yeah. But regarding Kim Stanley, I think, you know, she's just a horrible mother. Yeah. She doesn't really care about the well-being of Frances Farmer. She is really only seeing dollar signs in her daughter. Um, she just... She kind of is pulling, like, a Britney Spears dad at the moment. Mm. You know what I mean? If you... I mean, I don't like Britney Spears as a gay. I mean, that's, like, one of the worst sins in the world, I know. But, like, um, Britney Spears' his father has a... What is it? Like, controlled ship over everything. Yeah. I don't know what the correct term is I know a lot, of, a lot
1: of child actors end up getting emanci- emancipated? Emancipated. From their parents because of
2: that. Yeah. So, um... I, I think she's ruthless. I think it's... It's funny. And I mentioned this before, and I can't remember where... But this is the kind of ruthless that I wish that Louise Fletcher had given us as Nurse Ratchet oh, okay. and one of the Cuckoo's Nest. Because this is, I think, the perfect amount of ruthlessness that you need for a character to be evil.
1: Because she's a devious character, yes, but with reason.
2: Yeah. And her I,
1: reasons are shitty, but you, but there is reason.
2: Yeah, but she's really good here. And, I agree. Um, they the coming off of this is her second nomination. Coming off of seance on a wet or seance on a wet afternoon. Have you seen?
1: No, I've been told that she's amazing. She's
2: amazing in that, and she's amazing in this. So Kim Stanley has a record of being amazing in both of her nominations. I like it.
1: I do too. Um, She never has her daughter's best interest at heart. Like Even in the beginning when Frances um, wants to become an actress and she wants to go off to the Moscow Art Theater and and study there, and her mother's like, no, that's communism. Because she just hears Moscow and she's like, no, communism, because it was the early 20th century and the Red Scare was rampant. And throughout the movie, she really doesn't care about what her daughter actually wants and what's best for her daughter. Because toward the end it becomes all about
2: the money. And I, and it's weird too, because you don't think that at, at the very beginning, because there's that point where Francis is doing that speech about there is no God and her mom's like celebrating it. Mm. But then all of a sudden there's like a switch and there's like a flip and she's just like, does, I mean, am I making sense with yeah, this?
1: I think she follows the crowd because when Francis makes that speech that she won like that award for, for saying that there is no God or whatever she's saying, um, there she gets a lot of backlash no yeah. and people shout things and come for her and she gets write-ups in the paper and people are booing her during the newsreel at the movie theater and that's when her mom starts having a problem with it i
2: think okay yeah you're right you're right now that i'm thinking back to that yeah so she's
1: she she follows the crowd and she doesn't really care about her daughter
2: no yeah. she's
1: only thinking about herself and her image
2: Yeah, I will say it's a very diabolical role, but it's a fun diabolical role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like
1: it. I do, too. I love um, their fight toward the end, and Kim Stanley smacks the fuck out of Jessica Lange. That smack reverberated off of my television.
2: (laughs) You're like, damn, I felt that shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it a lot. I do, too. Man, this lineup is already so good.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Francis, you definitely should check it out. 100%. And, of course, we're going to get back to it when we talk about Jessica Lange. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. But we've got
1: more. Mm Mm-hmm. But next we have Glenn Close, nominated for The World According to GARP. This is her first of seven nominations. She wins the Los Angeles Film Critics and the National Board of Review going in, and she's nominated at the National Society of Film Critics and the New York Film Critics. In The World According to GARP, Glenn Close plays Jenny Fields, an, an outspoken nurse who wanted a child but not a husband. And when she publishes a feminist manifesto, she becomes a bit of a cultural icon. So thoughts on Glenn Close as Jenny Fields.
2: So this is officially I- in series order the first time that there that people listening are going to let me or hear me talk about right Glenn Close because we our first time talking about it we already recorded 1988 so we talked about Dangerous Liaisons In mm-hmm. eighty three and eighty three with Kevin Jacobson where we talked about um, big chill the big chill. Um so uh, for the record and you will hear it again <laughs> throughout this decade um I consider Glenn Close to be my um. My uh, natural born enemy.
1: Yes, she's your nemesis. She's my
2: nemesis. And I have stated numerous times before, I feel like the only nomination she actually ever deserved of her seven was Dangerously Azan's. But I'm going to pre-correct myself before you hear this. I love... And I know you mentioned that you don't like The World According to Garb*. I don't like it as a... I'm not big on the movie, but I like her. So I love the movie. I think it's uh, just a wonderful movie. Uh And I forgot... And I can't... I think, I think hell just froze over. I can't remember a time that I actually enjoyed watching her so much.
1: Mm-hmm. She's good in this movie. She's really good For in some this reason, movie. the movie just doesn't click with me. I'm yeah. not sure what that is. But yeah. I do like her a lot in it.
2: So I do pre-correct myself before you hear me, guys, later on, where I mentioned Dangerous Liaisons is really her only worthy nomination. This is her only other worthy nomination. The this other is ones her, I,
1: This is her worthy supporting
2: one. Yes. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. The other ones I don't think she ever should have been nominated for, but... Um, Garp, she is really good. I like that um, it's a strong debut for film. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a point where I got bored with her character. If anything, like her character, like whether it's like trying to sit down and talk with the hooker. I who, love that scene. Susie Kurtz is, yeah, yeah. Suzy Kurtz is the hooker, um, or whether it be uh, saving like pulling a Superman and saving Garp from the, from the, from the rooftop.
1: Yeah. I, there's also this scene where she walks into the boys locker room yes. and they're all freaking out because yes. they're all like naked.
2: Or, I mean, it's weird though too, because, and I forgot that she gets called out on it where, uh, she rapes Garp's yeah. father. Yeah. That's weird. Very weird. Very, very weird. Cause like
1: I said, she wanted a child, but not a husband. Right. And Garp's father is, um, he's a soldier who's injured and he's at her hospital where she's a nurse and she decides to mount him Yeah, and um, he impregnates her and then he soon after dies Yeah, and she has the child that she wanted and she didn't have to worry about having a husband.
2: It's very odd.
1: (laughs) It's a very strange choice. Um,
2: But she does get called out on it. Yeah, she does. Um, But no, all around, I think this is a really good performance. Um, I agree. There isn't really a sour note in it for me and I actually do feel... When her character dies, mm-hmm. um, because one of my favorite f- favorite things about this movie is actually John Lithgow, and I c- yeah. kind of wish we were talking about like, supporting actors a little bit, um, because Lithgow is perfection in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and his character is Roberta, and who ends Roberta up, Muldoon, yes, who ends up being part of, um,
1: it's like a feminist commune, yeah, yeah. that like Jenny character, starts Jenny starts like a refuge for women at
2: her parents' home.
1: Yeah. yeah, which is inclusive to trans women, which is what John Lithgow is playing.
2: Right, right. Um, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. I really like this performance. Yes,
1: yeah, I do too. I think it's a really strong. Um, I don't, was it her first? Was it her debut film performance? Her was, was
2: debut it, film performance. Yeah, because yes. it was her
1: first Oscar nomination. I think it's a really strong first Oscar nomination.
2: Mm-hmm. I like. I almost wonder. I'll wait till we get to the rankings, actually, to bring that up.
1: Okay, sure. So, um, next we had... Oh, I already did Francis. So, next we have <laughs> Leslie Ann Warren, nominated for Victor Victoria. This is her first and only nomination. Uh, she didn't get any wins going in, but she was nominated at the Golden Globes and for the New York Film Critics Circle. In Victor Victoria, Leslie Ann Warren plays Norma Cassidy. She's the girlfriend of a Chicago nightclub owner, uh, played by James Garner, who falls for Victor slash Victoria, played by Julie Andrews. Norma is a bit of a ditzy blonde with a squeaky voice, very 1930s Hollywood, and she complicates matters when she uh, feels scorned uh, by King, and she decides, King is the James Garner character, and uh, she decides to tell his associates that he's having an affair with a man, who is actually a woman, played by Julie Andrews. But- Bit of a complicated situation. A little bit. So thoughts on Victor, Victoria, and Leslie and Warren?
2: Pookie, I'm horny. That is how I'm going to greet all my menses uh-huh. from now on. Um, that should be your ringtone. Whenever you get a text, that's going to be my new scruff, scruff. Oh, okay. uh, the little ding. Yeah, the little, the little alert. Um, I love this role. I love this character. And I love Leslie Ann Warren here. Um, She is perfection as the ditzy blonde. She's giving me early Jennifer Jennifer Tilly vibes in Bullets Over Broadway. She, everything from her dance to like, okay, when she does that dance and then she sits down with the Chicago dude and she's crying, she's like, he's like, what is he, shacking up with another broad? She goes, no, another guy. He goes... Say that again. She, and she goes from like, hm, so, and she's just talking about it or when she's the soap in the mouth. I mean, there's not a moment where I'm not just wanting more Leslie Ann Warren mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, I, I honestly kind of wish if we went back in time, there would have been a spin-off of Norma. Yeah. Like, oh God, she's so good in this. And. Honestly, like I feel so bad for everyone in this lineup who isn't Jessica Lange because they all got fucked over.
1: Yeah, the the ranking is very difficult this year.
2: Hundred percent. Le- Leslie and Warren's great. Um, I think I just burped in your guys' ear. I'm the, sorry.
1: I like the the terror in the scene at the end when um, Julie Andrews is revealing to her. Lock the door. <laughs> so, so. uh... Julie Andrews is a, a woman playing a man posing as a drag queen.
2: Yes. This and is a very gay year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very gay year. And um, Vic- Victor slash Victoria takes Norma tr- to reveal that she's actually a woman. Yeah. And she starts taking off her clothes, and Norma thinks something, you know, really foul is about to happen, and she's freaking out. And of course, the audience knows that nothing's about to happen. Right. But the terror is. Hilarious! I'm gonna say. I know it sounds
2: kind of bad, but it's so funny. Um, It's and then her accent when you actually like say something in her accent, it's so addicting. Because I'm thinking of the terror thing. She's, oh my god, oh oh my god, what are you doing? What lock the door? (laughs) Like it's so good. And I remember seeing this interview with um, uh, Coco Peru. Uh It's on YouTube with Coco Peru and Leslie Ann Warren. and. She, Coco Pru goes, say pookie. And then she does the pookie and she twirls her hair. I'm twirling my hair right now when I'm saying that. So she's like twirling her hair. And then she says the, I'm horny. And she goes, little fun story about that was my acting coach at the time uh, when I brought the script and we were shooting and we brought her on set, um, had said, when you're saying pookie, act like you're calling his penis. Oh. Like, calling your penis to you. And I was like, there's the money's worth. Exactly it right there. She's so good.
1: So were you doing this scene in your acting class?
2: No. Oh. No. In, it, Leslie Ann Warren was telling that story oh. to Coco Peru. I see. Okay. And she said, when you're calling for Pookie, act like you're calling his penis.
1: Oh, I see. Yes. Okay.
2: So just, I mean, it, it, and again, it's like the little thing. It's like, what's with the soap? And then mm-hmm. it's like, the, she's... Or or, (laughs) she's like going through the train and you can't hear what she's saying and she's just going off and off and she gets she's in this big fireball of like she takes off her like or her jacket and to reveal nothing but skivvies underneath and she's like you're not gonna get him wait or you're not gonna get rid of me this easy and then a dude sees her and falls in the tracks and she goes "Ah, sweetie are you okay like she just flips these like scripts of emotion and it's it's so good Uh god damn this lineup is hard.
1: Another act For another actress, this could have become a, a very manufactured performance. Yeah. Because they're definitely pulling on these 1930s tropes. Yeah. Cause like, if you watch old movies from this era, like the Mae West stuff and things like that, you see this person. Mm-hmm. And so, another actor who's not quite as specific and doesn't quite have the intention that Leslie Ann Warren does, it could feel sort of artificial. Yeah. But she makes it feel very natural and hilarious.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. So Agreed. She,
1: Great nomination. So happy for Leslie and Warren.
2: I still can't get over that this is her only one. I know. I know. I'll bring it up at ninety-five, but Clue. Right. Clue, Clue, Clue. Well, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: No, I think I'm okay for now.
2: All right. Let's move into an even, even tougher category that we're going to have to rank right. here. So your lead actresses of
0: 1982 were... For her hilarious depiction of a woman who passes herself off as a man pretending to be a woman. Julie Andrews and Victor Vittoria For her riveting portrayal of the beautiful but tortured actress whose star was a comet that burned out too soon Jessica Lange in France For her compelling realism as a frustrated wife caught between revolution and bureaucracy, Sissy Spacek and Missy. For her astonishing versatility in bringing William Styron's victim from the printed page to the screen, Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. For her beguiling honesty as the winsome factory worker who makes a gentleman out of an officer, Deborah Winger.
2: All right. Let's start off with the big one. Let's start off with the winner this year. Meryl Streep playing Sophie Zawistakowski. I don't know how to
1: say it. Either. I'm going to say
2: Sophie Zawistakowski. Sure. In Sophie's Choice. This is her fourth of 21. And this is going to be one episode where I'm not ranking off all of her fucking okay. nominations because I'm over it. Um, <laughs> going into Oscar night, she was kind of the sure bet. There's no one really beating her. Um, she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in Drama. The only thing she didn't win was the BAFTA. She was nominated for that, and that wasn't even until 1983, so that was a year later. Um, she won the LA Films Critics National Board of Review, National Society of Film Critics, and the New York Film Critics Circle Awards for Best Actress. In Sophie's Choice, Meryl plays a Polish Holocaust survivor who is now living in America and is in love with um, Kevin Kline's character and uh, a man, which this is the oddest casting of this movie for me is Peter P- McNichol. P- P- Peter McNichol yeah. just seems very wrong here in my opinion. But Peter McNichol's character kind of like goes to uh, and gets a room the the in the, in the boarding house or the house that these guys are staying at. And this, the movie essentially is just a giant flashback as it's telling the story of Sophie and how she got to where she's at and what she went through. Um, where she had to make the ultimate decision of which child to give up to death, pretty right. much. That's
1: the titular
2: choice. <laughs> it's the titular, right. It's the titular <laughs> role. Um, so what do you think about Meryl Street?
1: Um, so I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, I honestly don't care for this movie very much. Mm-hmm. I was re-watching it. Um yesterday it had been like over 10 years since I had seen it. Yeah. And for the most part this movie is actually really boring. Mm. The stuff that takes place in like the present day like in America, I don't care about what's going on with Peter McNichol and Kevin Kline. I by the way I was over Kevin Kline's performance really quick. He's a little bit too much in this movie for me. Yeah. But the Sophie in America, I didn't find all that interesting. No. The stuff when we go into the past when she's in Poland and the concentration camps, that's like the real meat of the the movie.
2: Right.
1: And I do like Meryl Streep in this performance. I think she's doing a lot of real technical stuff. I don't know if she speaks German or whatever it was that she was speaking in that movie. Polish. Was it Polish? Okay. I don't know if Meryl just knew that, but she speaks Polish for a good chunk of this movie. No. And, you know, she does the accent pretty well. I mean, she's the queen of the accents. Mm -hmm. And so Meryl's doing a lot of really great work in this. I think the movie's a bit of a drag. Yeah. And the real interesting stuff doesn't really happen until like the last 45 minutes. And this is a I'd long agree. movie. This is another one of those movies that does not need to be... Oh, It's like just a bit over two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think you could cut most of the present day stuff. Because I think what's really interesting about this movie is the Holocaust stuff. Yeah. Which is really what people remember. I don't know how, I don't know how many people thinking about this movie think about Peter McNichol and Kevin Kline.
2: No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um... This is an iconic performance.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, people think when you when you say Meryl Streep, you automatically think of Sophie's Choice.
1: I mean, Sophie's Choice has become, like, a term. Like, when people make some kind of frivolous decision between two things, like, oh, I'm making a Sophie's Choice, it, and it's the difference between, like, a Coke and a Sprite. Right. But, but it's become, like, an iconic, like, a cultural thing.
2: Well, it's just like her and Silkwood. When something's really gross, you have to take a Silkwood shower. Right. Like, Meryl Streep has... She's create
1: Meryl Streep creates culture.
2: Right. Um... No, she's really good in this. Um, there's no denying that. There, yeah. there, There's a reason why she was the ultimate winner of this year um, from the Academy. Um, I definitely agree with everything you said regarding the movie. I think the movie is very hard to get through. Half,
1: half of it is such a drag.
2: Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, I find the most interesting part to be the choice. Because it's yeah. such a hard... Position Which to the be movie in.
1: builds to. Right. It's like in the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Right. So it's it's like the climactic moment, even though it's in her past.
2: Yeah. And it's just like, it's got this weird like Romeo and Juliet vibe to it too, with how they die in the end. Mm. In my in my eyes, um, but I'm trying to I'm I know I'm sounding like or we're sounding like mm. we're kind of beating this role up, but it's kind of like hard when the movie is right. so. Ugh.
1: Because it's not the performance. Because it's the movie right. itself. I right. think I like what Meryl's doing here, but I also think the, even though the movie is, I think, kind of a drag, it's a compelling story. Yeah. Um, there's no denying that this is, like, a heart-wrenching story. It's just there's too much movie telling it,
2: if Agreed. that makes any sense. Agreed. I think her accent work is great. Um, she she really is convincing as this Polish
1: yeah, she's very Holocaust convincing.
2: survivor. Um, I, I think she... I don't, I, would you consider Meryl Streep a method actor?
1: I think I've heard her address this, mm-hmm. and she, I think she said in an interview once that she does not consider herself a method actor, but she uses certain method techniques depending on what role she's approaching. So she her approach varies depending on what it is.
2: Because uh, that makes sense. Because this is kind of the performance that I've only ever asked myself of Meryl's, where is she a method actor? Because it comes off very method. Right,
1: because I would think that if I were in that role, I would have to be speaking that accent 24-7 to stay yes. in it. I don't think, I don't know if I could come in and out of it and be that perfect as she is.
2: Yeah. No, I, I like her a lot in this. There's, I do there's too. A...
1: It's just too bad that the movie drags her down just a little bit, in my opinion.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Um, Moving on? Yeah. All right. So we kind of have a forgotten nominee here um, that most people forget. It's it's probably the least memorable for people in this lineup. And that is Sissy Spacek as Beth Harmon in Missing. This is her third of six nominations. Going into Oscar night, um, she got two nominations, uh, Golden Globe for Drama and and BAFTA for Best Actress. Um, In Missing, uh, Sissy plays a woman who joins with her father-in-law to search for her missing husband. And this is going to be really bad, but I can't think of the country right now. I think it's Bolivia? Mm-hmm. Chile. We're, I, yeah. South America. It's South America. I know, we're, we're, America. we're totally prepared right now. Um, during a revolution of the early 70s. And unfortunately, it is um, found out that her husband was killed by the country... And it's dictatorship instead of, um, being saved be because he was an American Mm -hmm. because technically you're not allowed to do that. He's a journalist. He's a journalist and it's a big no, no. Um, I have thoughts on this for sure, Mm -hmm. but I want to hear you first.
1: So like you said, it is definitely the missing, the forgotten nomination, um, within Sissy Spacek's line of nominations and I think in this year, even though I do like Missing for the most part and I do like Sissy Spacek in it, um, I don't really have any complaints about it. Um, It's a a lot of subtle work. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a big showy powerhouse performance. Yeah. But there's a real, like, naturalism to her performance that I really buy. And I love her work with Jack Lemmon because they come from two very different worlds. There's a generational gap and a political gap between them and they're coming together to try to find her husband slash Jack Lemon's son. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I really dig her in this, even though I, for some reason it's the one I always forget.
2: I, we, I forget what episode that we did, but we already talked about Sissy Spacek, but I literally, maybe it was Carrie actually.
1: Carrie or Coal Miner's daughter. Oh yeah. no,
2: it was Coal Miner's daughter where I was like, I'm missing one of her nominees. And it was and missing. And it was missing. Um, this is directed by Costa Gravis, yes. or Gavras, however you want to pronounce that, which he did one of my all-time favorite foreign Best Picture nominations, which was Z from 1969. i never seen Z. Z is great. Z is a fantastic piece of film, um, like film history right there. And so I was really, I actually forgot that he directed this until I revisited Missing, because I probably haven't seen Missing since I was living in LA, and that was in 2011, 2012. Um so I was like, "Oh my God, yeah, he directed this, and it just doesn't have the oomph as a film that Z carries." I've heard that a lot, um, but it is a very subtle performance. Um, yeah, and it's it, it's it's good. She's really good. I mean, there's a lot of natural fear that's going on with uh, the character of Beth. Especially, like, when she misses curfew and she's got a, she, she, like, sleeps in the corner of, like, an alleyway in the street. Yeah. And
1: well, she tries to go into, like, a, like, a tailor's shop. Yeah. And the guy won't open the door for her. And she's just got,
2: like, all these lights on her. Because he could be shot. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a really good performance. Actually, it was, it's kind of funny. Um, Sissy Spacek, uh, a couple, maybe about a decade ago, did Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Mm-hmm. And they brought up this year of 1982. Mind you, Sissy had two nominations. By this point, she had a win under her belt. She was definitely an Academy Award member, and she even said, "Oh, I voted for Meryl." <laughs> she she voted for Meryl in Sophie's Choice. Like she's like, there was no way that any that I was winning this. She was And she said it herself, she's like, oh, I was kind of just like a filler nomination. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of humbling when an actor did that, but still, bitch, I would never not vote for myself, because you never know. Right. you never know. It could come down to one.
1: You could be Barbara Streisand. Right, right.
2: So, I mean, at least, I mean, she knew she wasn't going to win for this one, but um, I think she's really good here.
1: I agree, yeah. I haven't seen Z, but so I have heard that people have said that Missing is a little more timid than Z in yeah. some regards, yeah. but I don't have the comparison to draw upon.
2: But um, You should find it and watch it yeah, if you Yeah, I can. definitely
1: should. Wow. But yeah, I do like Missing. It has a real, um, I don't want to say down to earth, but like a real gritty feel to it. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that like the US government had to come out and say that it wasn't true, even though it totally was. Yeah. The things that this movie is based on, all the like the, the things that America did to cause this uprising that's mm-hmm. going on in this movie. Yep. Like I think it was, it came out during the Reagan administration, and but I think doesn't it take it takes place during the Nixon administration.
2: Yeah, early seventies.
1: Yeah, and so but like, um, Reagan's like press people had to come out and say that no, that's not true, and they had to like tell people to uh, disregard it. It's a work of fiction.
2: To- the totally government's trying to cover their ass. And yeah, yes, yeah. by the way, I just had a look it up. It was Chile.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so yeah, um, very interesting movie in that regard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sissy SpaceX, great. I'm really. Really glad she's in this lineup.
2: Yeah, and, and in the long run I think like it's kinda of sad that this was this is literally her forgotten nomination because it is she's
1: doing really good work she's here. She's doing really good it's, work. It's not the flashy, showy stuff that mm-hmm. like it's not Carrie, it's not the iconic coal miner's daughter stuff, but it's definitely a, a nomination worth regarding. Yeah. Agreed.
2: I like it. Yeah, me too. Moving on, Mm -hmm. let's go back to Francis. We have Jessica Lange playing Francis in Francis. Now, I consider this her second of six because technically, I know that you mentioned this could be her first second, how you look at it. I just look at it as this would have come up after in the ceremony of supporting. That's true. So I put it down as her second of six. And going into Oscar night, she only had nominations. Again, Meryl Streep won everything. Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama and the New uh, New York Film Critics Circle and the National Society of Film Critics for Best Actress. In Francis, again, just going please, Francis Farmer, the outspoken and mentally ill film star of the early 19, 19th century, Jesus, 20th century. Um, in it, uh, we get all facades and levels of Francis from girl growing up in Seattle to full on lobotomy, yeah. lobotomized Francis. Right. Um, what do you think about it?
1: I think she's really great here. Yeah. Um, she takes you through the whole thing, every gamut of human emotions, yep. every up and down. She's embodying this character through and through. Um, she has some really great, funny moments mixed in with a lot of the dark, tragic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when she's first reached her fame, and I think she goes back to her hometown, and there's a woman who had protested her speech yes. and said who had said who had stood up and said you're going to hell francis farmer yep and now francis is back in town and this woman's like oh francis our hometown hero or whatever she's saying and Fra- and jessica lang's like i know you and the woman's playing dumb and she's like you said i was going to hell yep. and then tells the woman to basically go fuck herself love it love that scene and of course it gets much darker later as Mm -hmm. she's um dissenting into a bit of madness and then some
2: alcohol issues she just fucking clocks that makeup woman in the face
1: oh my god
2: yeah it's 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 so good
1: that woman had said some
2: things that she probably shouldn't have but oh yeah i agree i agree lang is great in this this is Jessica Lang. This yeah. is why I love this woman. This is like the quintessential Jessica Lang. Yeah. And I mean, God, could you imagine? I mean, we haven't even gotten to the other two yet, but let's just put Sophie versus Francis here. Could you imagine being a, an Academy voter for this? I mean, in a way we are for this podcast, yeah. so we're going to be choosing. we like, spirit Academy voters. Oh my God. This lineup is insane. Mm-hmm. I have zero complaints about this. This is a great, great nomination. The movie is interesting, too. Yeah. That's where, let's, again, let's put Meryl versus Jessica here. This is where Meryl's movie faltered, is that it wasn't always interesting. Where Francis, there's always something going on.
1: I would say that's true. Um, They're also about the same in length. They're They're both like two and a half hour movies. But
2: Francis doesn't feel like two and a half hours.
1: Francis is much less of a drag than yeah. Sophie's Choice. Yeah. Francis, there's a lot more going on. There's a little bit more, I don't know if action is the right word, but you're definitely more engaged throughout. Agreed. Like Sophie's Choice, you know, has the big compelling final act, but Francis is, I think, a stronger film throughout. Yeah. You also get two really great performances in Francis, whereas in Sophie's Choice, you really just have Meryl Streep, like I said, Kevin Klein drove me fucking insane. <laughs> But, yeah, so uh, Francis, I think, is a stronger
2: film. I like it a lot. Yeah. I do. Moving on? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go a little verklempt, because now we get to talk about one of my favorite movies of the decade. Deborah Winger as Paula Pekrofke in An Officer and a Gentleman. This is her first of third. We've talked about Winger already in 1983.
1: Well, we, we will next. Well. We've, we've talked about it. We've talked about it. The listeners will hear it next week.
2: Right. Um, with Terms of Endearment. But going into Oscar night, definitely Winger only had a nomination for Golden Globe in drama. In An Officer and a Gentleman, um, the character Paula is from Washington State and she's known as pretty much a townie mm-hmm. who goes over to the Naval Base Academy every time there's a new class of recruits to try to find her manses. And she falls in love with Richard Gere, good old Richard Gere, who we talked about briefly with Looking for Mr. Goodbye. All right. Um... And in it, it's pretty much just a romance of the ups and downs, of realizing what they want, and at the end, she gets carried away. hmm Iconically
1: carried away. That ending has been redone and parodied so often. I know The Simpsons did it.
2: It's such a good ending.
1: Yeah. You got that.
2: I cry every time.
1: I watched oh, this really? last night, and I was
2: just like,
1: oh my god. You got that, the most iconic 80s song. This is Love Ballad, yep. whatever you call it. And
2: I actually, I watched it on VHS. This is one of that I own in perfect mm-hmm. condition VHS. Yeah. Um, go ahead.
1: I think Deborah Winger's great in this. Yes. Um, so glad she was recognized for it. Um, there's just something about her character. She has like a, like a magnetism that I'm just drawn to. Yep. And um, I'm here for it. I'm so pleased that she was nominated.
2: So I noticed a couple things yeah. last night for the first time. Um, Deborah Winger and I share the same style of hair throughout yeah, this movie yeah that's pretty true we have which I don't know if that says anything that I'm wearing a hairstyle from 1982 um, but no, maybe it's, it's, just it, it's just timeless it's just timeless it's for timeless beauties thank you very much um, she, this hoe is also living my best life Picking up recruits and then <sighs> sending them off to
1: battle and picking up another You recruit. know, I'm going
2: to be in New York City next week, and I found out that the week after, or maybe it's two weeks after, is fucking Fleet Week. Oh. <sighs> that's too bad. I just want it. I just want this life. I want to be carried out by my, my mans is is <laughs> I'm going to cry thinking about this movie. I love it so much. Um... Yes, I'm that much of a ham for this movie. No, I think she's really good. There's not one point in this movie where I feel like Winger is coming off as acting. She comes yeah. off so natural. Yeah,
1: there's no moment where I felt like she was phoning it in or just saying her lines. Yeah. She feels like she's living in this
2: role. Yeah. And I totally buy it. You know what else I noticed last night? What? How hot Robert Loggia is in this movie. Oh, really? But it's not his face. It's his dad bod. So if oh, I can okay. get Richard Gere's face, because Richard Gere is like too thin for my liking mm. um and i want to put his face on lagia's dad bod and just go to town
1: okay because R- lagia is his father right in, in, the, in beginning. the movie yeah, yeah. so they share genetics
2: well in theory in theory yes. in movie
1: theory in movie genetics mm. they're related
2: very tasty that one is mm-hmm. Yeah, I love an Austin awesome gentleman, and I, I just want to, like, I feel like I'm blushing talking about it, and I just want to talk about it all day, but at the same time, you you, you all would make fun of me with how much I would just go off on this movie. I cried so many times during this. hmm So good. I love her hat. I'm, like, obsessed with that. Hat. hat! I am obsessed with the hat she
1: wears, and yes. I want it. Yes,
2: yes. Agreed, agreed.
1: Her, like, newsy-style mm-hmm. hat that she totally pulls off.
2: So good. I would try to pull that off, and I would people would laugh, because I also have a weird, really weirdly shaped hat. I've
1: been told that I can pull off that hat. I've had, I've, I've... There's a picture of me somewhere in the depths of Facebook in like a newsy type outfit because I was in a play in college. I I've, think... And I've been told that it's very nice.
2: I want to see this. I can probably pull it up sometime. You need to send that to me. I think you and Seth should go as Paula and Richard Gere... Oh, we should. ...for Halloween. And then you, he should carry you with... Oh, right. You with he'd, the... have to have, he'd have
1: to have the Navy <laughs> right. outfit.
2: I think that'd be perfect costume. Yes. Um, and
1: you can be Robert Loja.
2: No. With Richard Gere's face. Okay, yeah. That works. <laughs> No, actually, I was. Side note, I was just talking to my friend Lindsay about Halloween, um, which I'm not going to be in town for this year because I'm going to Vegas to see Gaga. Oh right. And um, we there's a Halloween party the week before, and I think we're going to go as Dee Dee Blanchard and oh my god and uh, Gypsy, Gypsy, and yep. I'm so excited.
1: We just finished that the other night.
2: I haven't seen the last episode yet.
1: Yeah, Seth's been out of town the last couple of weeks, and we binged the last three episodes.
2: Nice. I was excited to see Juliet Lewis pop up.
1: Yeah, I was too. Yeah. I didn't know she was going to be in the show.
2: Neither did I. But, I'm sorry, I, I still, I'm just gleaming of an office in general. I'm, I'm gleaming like it's my own child. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. All right, moving on? Yeah. All right. Final um, nominee that year is, the first time we could talk about this lady, actually, right. is Julie Andrews in and Victor Victoria. This is her third of three. And I did not know, going into Oscar night, she only had one precursor, and it was the Golden Globe, which mm-hmm. she won wow. for Best Actress in Comedy Musical. So, it actually makes me wonder if she was the biggest threat to Merrill. which I don't really think. I don't know. But, um... But yeah, in Victor Victoria, uh, Julie Andrews plays a struggling singer in Paris who will have sex with her land for a meatball mm-hmm. and to pay the rent, then smartly uses a cockroach to mm-hmm. get free food. And then really what happens in the movie is that she becomes a woman impersonating a man impersonating a woman.
1: She's impersonating a man who performs as a drag
2: queen. Yes, yes. But she's really like I, Like we said, this is a very gay year. Yeah. It's a very gay year for the Oscars. Um, and she does it flawlessly. Um, I think her acting here is so good, and I'm starting before you, and my apologies, so you go first.
1: Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. This is maybe second time watching it. I had seen it years ago. And I think she's wonderful on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when people think Julie Andrews, they think Poppins and Sound of Music. Yeah. Hardly anyone ever really thinks Victor Rittor, and I think that's a shame. Yeah. Because I think she's wonderful in this movie, and it's
2: also just a really enjoyable movie. Agreed. I think she's hilarious. You okay? No, I'm good. Oh, sorry. I thought our soundboard for a second paused.
1: Yeah, I think she's really funny. Uh, The scene with the cockroach where she she takes a cockroach from her apartment, takes it to a restaurant. She's going to drop the cockroach like in the soup or something to try to say that it was in there before and it should be free. And they catch on to her because she's so so desperate in that scene.
2: Yeah. Um, There is not one moment here where I'm bored with her acting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice because again, yeah, people think of Mary Poppins and people think of Sound of Music. And honestly, I don't really like Mary Poppins because I was so forced as a kid to watch it all the time. So I'm like, fuck this movie. I'm
1: not a big fan of it either. Well,
2: that's why I didn't see the the Emily Blunt version because I, I really can't stay in Mary Poppins.
1: I watched it just because, but yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge Poppins fan. Also not a huge Sound of Music fan. Neither am I. For some reason, those movies just don't do it for me.
2: Right. And so in a way, Julie, and especially with like, you know, the Princess Diaries with us Mm. coming up and whatnot. And like, um, her... Unfortunately, like, Julie Andrews doesn't really act anymore. Like, the last movie she did on with her on screen was The Tooth Fairy back in, like, 2010 with The Rock.
1: I think she had um, vocal issues.
2: Right. But the thing where I'm going with this is that so we're, like, used to seeing Julie Andrews in, like, these kiddie movies, right? Yeah. So it's nice because this is kind of like a reality check to be like, no, she's an adult who can do adult roles. Right. And this is perfect because
1: it's not a it's not a gratuitous movie, but I wouldn't I don't know if I'd call it family friendly. Yeah, I mean, kids could probably watch it and be fine. Yeah, but it's not Mary Poppins.
2: Right, right. I mean, this is a very in a way it's very sexually driven musical. That's
1: true. You know, that so. plays a lot with gender and sexuality because, yeah. like, the James Garner character falls for Victor Victoria,
2: and there's a point where he says, "I don't care if you're a man or
1: not," because he sees the drag persona right. on stage and thinks that's a woman and technically it is, but then he realizes, oh no, it's actually a man. Yeah. But it's not. Right. And he's going through this weird all these weird somersaults trying to grapple with his feelings until he ultimately decides, I don't care. Yeah. And I think that's a really beautiful moment.
2: It is. It, especially for coming out in the early eighties. Like yeah. especially when the industry was so much different than it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean there's still we always say, you know, there's always a long way to go. But right. um this was Especially, again, this is a very gay year between, um, you know, Julie Andrews and Victor Victoria to, uh... John Lithgow. John Lithgow and World to Garp.
1: Just Jessica Lang in general. The yeah. gay icon.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's... There's... There, this was a very revolutionary year for the Academy. Yeah, a little bit. So I'm very proud of them. And, I'm, yeah, I really like Julie Andrews. And it does have me wonder if she maybe was in second place here. Even over Jessica Lange, just because she had the Golden Globe win... She also,
1: it could have also, there also could have been a narrative of a of a, a career win mm. because she had been, well, she had won for Poppins, so maybe not.
2: Yeah. I think she won for Sound of Music too, didn't she? No, she won for Poppins. She won for Poppins? Yeah. Okay. So I guess maybe that
1: wasn't the narrative since she had been a winner. If she hadn't been, then I could have seen that.
2: Yeah. I'm kind of, like, upset that this is the only time we get to talk about Julie Andrews. Even though we don't like the other movies, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's Julie Andrews, you know?
1: Well, the Mary Poppins lineup is actually really good.
2: I know. That, I don't think that'll ooh. have to be a bonus episode. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, is that you or me? Yeah, I, I brushed the mic. Oh, nice, nice. Because, I mean, th-
1: that's the year we also get Kim Stanley, right? In, in on on White afternoon. afternoon. And Anne Bancroft in The Pumpkin Eater. And I love Anne Bancroft in The Pumpkin Eater.
2: Which I know you just wrote about. Yeah, I do. Yeah, which yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah it's really... Maybe it,
1: It's streaming on Amazon Prime, or at least as of this recording it is.
2: Heard. Heard. I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Do you have anything else you want to add to Julie Andrews? Um, No,
1: not really. I mean, she's just wonderful.
2: You ready to get to the hard part for this year?
1: Yeah, this is actually a really hard year to rank. Yeah. I mean, there's only one slot that's a no-brainer.
2: Right. I think we're going to get to that right away. We're going to get to
1: that. But this is one of those years where you ask me next week, my lineup might be different. No. But as it is right now, this is what I'm doing.
2: Well... Start us off?
1: Okay, I'll start us off with the supporting, and my number five is going to Jessica Lange for Tootsie simply because she doesn't belong in this lineup for being a lead actress.
2: Same. Yeah. I,
1: she's fine in Tootsie, but she shouldn't be here.
2: Agreed. Jessica Lange is at five. Yeah. So, um... This is where it gets hard.
1: Yeah. So this gets really hard. Um, I, th- I know who my one and two are, and who my three and four are, but they keep switching in my mind. But right now, as I have it, I'm going I'm to give Glenn Close the number four slot. Mm-hmm. I think she's great in Garp. Um, it's an iconic role, um but yeah this lineup is just so damn hard yeah and so right now as i have it written i'm just gonna go ahead and put glenn close in that slot
2: heard i'm actually putting kim stanley in four um not because she's bad it's just that it is so hard and i usually stick to my rule if you can do comedy well like you get it um but there are three really good comedic performances here and i'm sorry but kim stanley just uh yeah i gotta go kim stanley at four
1: okay uh, my number three is going to Leslie Ann Warren. She's hilarious in Victor Victoria. Mm-hmm. She does everything she needs to. She's She gives even more light to that movie than it already has. And it's a shame that it was her only nomination. But um, with these other two, I just feel a little bit stronger about. So I'm going to give her my three. I'm
2: actually a little shocked by that. Really? Yeah. I was not expecting her. Uh, I was expecting her at least top two for you. This
1: is a tough lineup. I know so it's so hard. Uh... Maybe next week I'll feel differently.
2: <laughs> well, it does. It's official now. Um, it's on recording. Uh, number three for me. Yeah. Glenn Close, World According to Garb. Um, there's this is again hell's freezing over, but this is kind of my soft spot where Glenn's at mm-hmm. outside of Dangerous Liaisons. Um, but uh, yeah, I think she's really good as Jenny Fields. I I like that she's. And she had talked about wanting to do, like, this Catherine Hepburn-esque New England accent type oh, yeah. work. Um, I think it's really good. I was really sad when her character was assassinated at the end. Um, because of the patriarchy. Yeah. I think I think it's a great performance uh, for a debut. It's a great first nomination. Um, yeah. I think uh, she definitely deserves top three for me. Okay.
1: Well, uh, my runner-up is going to Kim Stanley. And I'm giving the win to Terry Gar. Uh, Kim Stanley's great in Francis. Um... I love evil mother roles. Mm -hmm. Um, We mentioned the act earlier, Patricia Arquette. I'm just drawn to these types of stories, and Kim Stanley's great. Um, She brings a real cunningness to this character that I'm drawn to every time she's on screen. But Terry Gar is perfection in Tootsie. She's exactly what a supporting actress needs to be, especially in a comedy. She brings so much life to this character, and she delivers these lines beautifully. I watched this movie with uh, Seth, actually. It was his first time watching it, mm-hmm. and he was, like, raving about her. Really? Be- yeah, because he, like, like, all her lines about, I'm not the right I'm not right for that part because I'm a woman, or however she says it, and yeah. all, her, all her really great lines that any other, most other actresses might not have lived up to quite, yeah. quite in the way that she does. So
2: Terry Gar is getting my win for 1982. Well, that's fun. Um, so that means I have Leslie and Warren and Terry Gar left. Um, I'm tying them. Oh, really? I can't, and that's actually how I, I expected you to do the same, to be honest. I kind, of, I kind of figured Terrigar was going to be up there for you, but I honestly expected you to use your first tie. You didn't use your I've first ne- tie. I've never used you my never tie. Use it yet. I can't choose. I, I I mean, I have it written down as Leslie Ann Warren 2 and Terrigar 1, just in case I was going to choose, but I can't. Um, there is no way to for me to pick which comedic performance is better, because they are so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um terry got everyone got fucked in this lineup who wasn't jessica lang but terry is just so exuberant and Mm -hmm. so she manifests exactly what a supporting actress is and leslie ann warren is perfect as the ditzy dumb blonde whose line delivery is on point who does a really fun song who I mean, she's just so much fun in this movie.
1: Her characters between Victor Victoria and Clue could not be more different. No, like if you and they could
2: her... be just the same as Perfection too. Yeah,
1: they're both great, and they're t- so they're two completely different comedic performances.
2: Yeah, which shows her range as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it's too bad this is her only nomination. I know. I don't know. But it, uh, yeah, I gotta tie it here. Leslie and Warren and Terry Gar should have tied it. I, I literally can't choose. Yeah, I can't choose out of that. So. I'm pulling my first tie of the '80s, fuckers. Oh boy.
1: Oh boy. So you want to start us off with uh, leading?
2: Yes. Um, this is a year where I know this is cliche, but I feel anyone could have won this in any other year. Like all. That's of, probably true. All yeah, all of these actresses a hundred percent deserve a win somewhere in this mm-hmm. decade. I feel for these roles specifically. Sure. Um, with that said, though, I have to give five to Sissy Spacek in Missing. Um, n- again, not bad at all. Um, but this is just, she's got, at this point, I'm just ranking them least favorite. I'm not even least favorite. Just fuck. I'm just trying to rank them. Not as most favorite. Yeah. To most favorite. Yeah. Not as most favorite to most favorite, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So basic and Missing. She's really good. It's not showy. It doesn't need to be showy, but. I, I just I can't put her anything. Yeah.
1: Sissy Spacek is also my number five. Yeah. For pretty much the same reasons. It's a very textured, very nuanced, grounded performance that really works within this movie. Yeah. It's not a very showy performance because it doesn't need to be, and in fact if it were, it wouldn't work in this movie. Yeah. And she's doing really beautiful work here. But like you said, this lineup is really, really one of the best that yeah. we that we've covered. So yeah, so Sissy Spacek's getting my five,
2: unfortunately. Her and Well, um, I'm giving fourth to Meryl Streep. Um, uh, her biggest, and it's not even her fault, but the biggest falter is the film itself. Yeah. Focusing on the performance though, it's so good, but I have, I have a deeper connection to the other three. Um, and I'm never ever denying that she didn't deserve this, this win from the Academy. But for me, the, the other three just, I have a bigger connection to. Sure. Um, and I feel a lot more during their films and for the performances than I do Streep. Mm-hmm. So I'm
1: going to give my number four to Deborah Winger. Mm-hmm. Deborah Winger's great in this role. We of course love Deborah Winger. We're, you're going to hear us talk about her next week for Terms of Endearment. Mm-hmm. She has great taste in hats. Love her <laughs> hats. But yeah, these other three are just doing a little bit more for me on a more, I don't want to say technical level, but I'm just a little bit more drawn to the other three as a viewer. Yeah. So I'm gonna give Deborah Winger my number four spot.
2: I am giving my third spot to Jessica Lange for Francis. Um, love Lange. She's my goddess. Um, She's an amazing actress. I honestly think overall, as an actress, I kind of like Jessica Lange more than Meryl Streep Okay as like a whole. Because I know people always say like you know Lange versus Streep are like the big. They're two
1: very different. Very actresses. different, but they
2: always compare to. Yeah. Um. I think it's an, an amazing performance. There's not a time in her film where I'm not bored with it, and I just I love it if I want more. But, again, I'm connected to Winger and Andrews more, who are my final two, than I am Lang, Streep, or Spick-Sick.
1: Okay, I'm giving my number three spot to Meryl Streep for Sophie's Choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's doing great work here, um, especially toward the end when you get uh, to the choice in the movie. She's doing some great technical work here with like her accent and the languages that she speaks and her facial work that she's doing here, especially in these close-ups, she has some really powerful close-ups in this movie mm-hmm. that she really sells. But the movie itself, I know we've said it a few times, it's just such a slog.
2: Yeah. And
1: I think that's to her detriment in some ways. Yeah. Looking at just the performance, she's great, but um, these other two, I guess I get a little bit more enjoyment out of. hmm So I'm going to give Meryl Streep my three.
2: This final two is really hard for me. Again, I have Winger and Andrews. Um, and who do you have left? I have Andrews and Lang. Andrews and Lang. I kinda wanna switch it right now, but I'm gonna actually I'm I'm gonna stick with what I've got. I'm going to give the runner-up spot to Deborah Winger in an officer and gentleman, which means I'm giving the win to Julie Andrews here. Um I think my I I think it, had I given Winger right now the win, it would have been my love for the movie overall, and sure. it to be as fair as possible, I do think she is a good runner-up for me because, she, I, I kind of said it, she is the least amount of feeling like it's acting out of all of the mm-hmm. nominees for sure. Yeah, it's
1: a very naturalistic. Very performance.
2: naturalistic performance, but Andrews everything from her line delivery to her her comedic chops here to her her performances, it's. It's so gay, and I'm here for it, and I love it. And it's it was finally again a, a performance for me to where I can forget that it's Mary Poppins. And if you're, I feel like if you're connected to such an iconic character, all I'm gonna ever see you as is that character. And I didn't see that here. Sure. So, I honestly think she's, again, I'm not dissing any of the performances because I've said it throughout this whole thing that any of these could have won. But for me, I think she's the best of the five. Because it's so not what we're used to seeing her with, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm really into it. Um, and then again, Winger, love her movie. It's one of my favorites of the '80s, and uh, yeah, I really liked Ever Winger. So, mm-hmm. but I got to give it the the win, the Oscar to Julie Andrews here. Okay, I'm giving my runner up
1: spot to Julie Andrews, and I'm giving the win to Jessica Lang for Heard. Francis. Heard. Everything that makes Julie Andrews great is on display yeah. in Victor Victoria: the singing, the acting, the comedy, everything. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as we've said, this movie's gay as fuck. Yeah. And it's... I, I feel like it's probably the the, le- the least seen of her three nominations. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think that's a shame. And I think especially queer people should seek out this movie and check it out because it's a delight. Yeah. And Julie Andrews makes everything of it. Jessica Lange, though, in Frances is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a really long movie, but I'm never quite bored with it because of Jessica Lange. She carries the movie in a way. Again, this is maybe more the of a writing thing, but she carries Francis in a way that Meryl Streep doesn't quite carry Sophie's choice for me. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Lange takes you through all the gamuts of human emotion. She's funny. It's a deeply tragic movie. It becomes really sad at points and I'm always feeling for her. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just great. And I don't think she needed the consolation prize for Tootsie cause it should have gone to her for Francis.
2: Heard that. And now here's a question for you because I was reading some articles last and after, watching an office and for the umpteenth time well, there are some people who would consider winger supporting mm. how do you feel about that i think she's in the right category here i agree i mean
1: i guess if you want to look at it and from the standpoint that it's it's richard gear's story then i guess maybe but i i think she's a i think she's a lead but she's secondary to richard gear mm-hmm. she's still a lead is just not quite her story but she's such a huge part of the story I think she's right to be in lead.
2: So, going back to supporting Glenn Close and World According to Garp, could also have that same argument that she's in the wrong category. Maybe. I mean, there's really the first chunk of the movie is her. It's Mm -hmm. her character. Robin Williams doesn't show up until like, what, half half an hour, 45 minutes in? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all close. I don't know. But at the end of it, it switches and doesn't focus.
1: Yeah, it becomes. So, maybe it's
2: ensemble? I don't know if I would even consider that ensemble.
1: No, I don't think so. There's a a small cast, but I don't know if I'd call it an ensemble.
2: I think everyone here is in the right category except for Lang and Tootsie.
1: Yeah, I don't have any problems anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Um, This was a fun year. Yeah, this is a really good year. Yeah. I am a fan 110% about Mm -hmm. everything in this except for Lang and Tootsie in this category. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I don't think I would have nominated her in
1: that in general. Like, if it had been in another year and she were campaigning for lead, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that if she did get in lead in another year, she would probably be my five. Maybe four if there was another one that was just so out of left field. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not a performance that really does it for me.
2: Yeah. And see, I did... My leads were switched on... Originally, I had winger at mm-hmm. three and laying at two. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it is... Like I said, if had I given Winger the first, it definitely would have been just my love of the movie. Sure. And that's just not fair. But I think, I think after talking with you about it and like hearing that you also agree that she just came off so naturally, it kind of reaffirmed that. I was like, oh yeah, she's, yeah, there you go. Um, Winger is also from Cleveland.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, well, Mm -hmm. this was fun. Yeah. We has to go now. But uh, until next time, I'm George Gentile. I'm Brandon Stanley, And this has been Academy Queen's, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category, where this uh, week was the class of 1982. All right, guys, we will see you later.
1: Bye. Bye.